Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. But within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds. I've completely turned my health around. And this shows a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Oh, yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Mm, nope. <laughs> We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We sure are. We love to cook and we love to eat. Mm -hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. No, it cannot. So let's start podcast number 99. 99? That's almost 100. I know. <laughs> this one's called Inspiring Your Community with Dr. Brian Lenskis. Could you save your due for a little? So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Last week was uh, the break nutrition insert. We, we inserted a podcast episode from another podcast uh, into our format, yeah. um, one which I was a guest on. So I don't think we have any corrections for that, but I, I did flub the answer to the mouse study. So that was a bit lame. But uh, other than that, um, no. No corrections I'm aware of. Oh, well. I got to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, good. I'm glad. Glad to know. Yeah. We do, however, have a correction from one of our previous episodes, and that was the heart, the scary heart stories with uh, Tom oh, Ceased right. and Brenda Zorn. And this right. correction actually came to us from uh, a physician named uh, Casey who said, Hello, uh, just finished listening to the scary heart stories. I'm very dismayed by the lack of medical accuracy in this, and I fear it may mislead people. I know you aren't giving medical advice, but the episode is distressing. I hear many mistranslations of medical to layperson back to medical. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I can infer the actual mm. issues between the lines, but to do so correctly would require reviewing medical records. Um, for example, the initial scarring described was more likely scarring of the lungs, not the heart. In a couple of months, the chest x-ray will clear up and the scarring can reverse and usually does. The congestive heart failure, which quickly reversed, was likely due to the persistent elevated heart rate and tachycardiomyopathy. Once the medication brought his heart rate down, the condition can reverse. So we always say that we're not doctors. We really mean it. We're not doctors and uh, we're not going to give any medical advice. Uh, we're just... In this case, we were relaying Tom's story in his own words. Now, Tom actually was a paramedic, so uh, he's not quite a layperson, but he's certainly not a doctor himself. Um, and he's trying to, he's obviously motivated to treat his own condition, 
um, and mm. uh, as best he can. And his cardiologist told him he had scarring on his heart. There is actually science that shows that uh, bacteria that cause bacterial pneumonia also uh, can damage the heart muscle, can cause scarring in the heart, and can kill cardiomyocytes. So mm. I will include into the show notes an article about how bacterial pneumonia damages the heart uh, and uh, some of the background on that. But um, you know, as I say, we're not doctors, and that's why we ask people to please tell us if we've been inaccurate at any point, and we're very grateful for your email, and thank you, Casey, for letting us know. Absolutely. So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is, Richard. Sure, Carl. You tell me. What's a ketogenic diet? All right. Well, it's any diet that puts you into a state of nutritional ketosis where you're burning fat for fuel and the byproduct of which is ketones, mm -hmm. which also provide energy to muscles and certain cells and especially your brain. Yeah. Your brain loves ketones. Sure does. To get there, we have a surefire way, which is to reduce carbohydrates to 20 grams or less per day. Yep. To have a moderate amount of protein every day, mm -hmm. one to one and a half grams of protein for every kilogram of lean body mass that you have, mm -hmm. and the rest of our energy, all of our energy, we get from fat. Yep. Either the fat on our plate mm -hmm. or the fat <laughs> on our bodies. <laughs> that Krispy Kreme <laughs> that we stored a decade ago for a rainy day. <laughs> That's right. It's still delicious. It's still raining. <laughs> <laughs> it's still raining. <laughs> so how was your week, my friend? Uh, I was just going to say, so how's the weather up there? You're, you're in a snow apocalypse, aren't you? Yeah, they actually call it, they call it a bomb cyclone here. <laughs> wow. We're uh, recording the, the uh, intro and outro for this show on January 5th, and I live in the northeast of the United States, and we're experiencing what we call a nor'easter, <laughs> which is where a combination of Gulfstream air and uh, Atlantic storm currents and whatever. It just sort of... And lake effect snow or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you saw the movie A Perfect Storm, that was a classic nor'easter. <laughs> okay. And supposedly this bomb cyclone, they call it, is called that because we had 55 mile an hour winds right. on top of this huge snowfall. So we got about a foot of snow mm -hmm. and the temperature was around... Just two degrees below freezing, so it's like slushy, yeah, right? Yeah. But now we have the added benefit of the temperature dropping to below zero. So all that slush is just going to freeze, Ugh. and it's going to be an ice sheet. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll take all winter to thaw out. Yeah, it's going to take a couple of weeks because I don't see any warm weather coming anytime soon. So this is the beginning of the suck, and it's going to last for at least a month. <laughs> yeah, but I chose to live here. <laughs> you did. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the charm of this particular podcast is that one of us doesn't live in the northeast of America, <laughs> and right here in Australia, we're actually uh, in the middle of a heat wave, and tomorrow in Canberra, we've been warned that for the next three days in Canberra, uh, we're going to be right smack bang in the middle of a heat wave. We're going to be about 45 degrees Celsius, which is about 113 Fahrenheit. That's crazy. It's, it, it, the hottest it's been in the three years that I've lived here was 40 degrees. So it's five degrees hotter than it has been in the past three years. And it rarely gets above 42. So for it to jump up to 45 is just remarkable. And it's like a third of Australia is going to be suffering this. We're going to have like uh, fires because of heat wave conditions. And, you know, we're getting ready for fire tornadoes, which is something that happens in Australia. Where, <laughs> you know, seriously, it actually does. Bomb cyclones and fire, and fire tornadoes. Exactly, so. <laughs> so I got an idea for a recipe. You do something cold and I'll do something really hot. There you go. <laughs> it's a deal. 
So that I guess that really wasn't my week. That's my weekend coming. Uh, my past week, I've been cooking a porchetta, and uh, mm-hmm. you'll see the results of that uh, unfolding in the ketogenic forums and the uh, what did I eat uh, today <laughs> thread. Yeah. I have yet to make mine. I'm making mine from a uh, um, 17 pound pork belly that I that I got at uh, Restaurant Depot. Mm. And it, as you know, I was enamored of this stuff when I came back from my trip to Italy. Yeah. And so we were planning a beat the winter blues party here mm-hmm. and inviting all the neighbors and friends and family uh, in a couple of weeks. And that's when I'm going to make mine. Nice. So I'll, I'll report back on how mine was as well. So I've got a little bit of advice for when you make a pork header, because basically what you're doing is you're rolling up a pork belly around pork loin. I didn't even right. bother with the pork loin. I mean, there's part of the loin still attached to the belly anyway, so I use that. But my advice is this. On the edge that you're going to roll up, you carve off a chamfer, like a, 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 a corn. You basically carve off maybe an inch of the meat and just leave the skin hanging out. And then you put you put that meat in the middle and you roll around that. And what you're left with is just that little bit of skin at the end so that the whole thing comes together. Ah. Because if you if you can imagine a flat pork belly that you roll around, uh, at the bits that touch, the meat in the middle is going to touch first and the skin on the outside won't touch. But if you cut off some of that mm. meat, then you can have the skin perfectly touch and then you wrap nice. it all up and, it, and it's all nice and neat. So that's my little tip. That's great. And you also scored the inside of the pork belly, too, to get all the flavor from the rosemary and lemon and stuff into there. I also, it's just, I mentioned it's summer here. It's it's about to be blackberry season, but near the blackberries that we crop uh, are a lot of native fennel plants or just wild fennel plants. And I cropped a whole Uh bunch of fennel pollen. Now, pollen and flowers of herbs are probably the most concentrated part of the herbs. So it's ultra, ultra, Uh ultra fennel flavored. Wow. Fennel pollen is just magic stuff. So I've liberally poured inside this porchetta uh, fennel pollen that, that I cropped off the side of the road. So, <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's good, hey, good stuff. we just sabotaged all the people who are fasting <laughs> listening to our show. We're sorry. We thought you thought you were going to have to turn it off at the recipe yeah, section, nah. but little did you know, we do apologize. So that was my week. How was your week, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my week was great. I mean, you know, preparing for the snowpocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we're starting this tapas kick now. Yeah. And so I did a lot of shopping for tapas stuff. And uh, we, you know, so I got to work on that right away. Mm. Uh, it's just been good. Um, everything's going according to plan. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, you know what we got to do now? We really need to give away some, some loot. Yes. Let's give away a mug with our mugs on it. Mm-hmm. So as you may or may not know, mm-hmm. every show we like to give away uh, a mug. Right now is what we're giving away. Mm-hmm. We're giving away a mug with our mugs on it that says Keep Calm and Keto On mm-hmm. with the two keto dudes on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we give them away to a random member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. Right. And uh, how you get to that is fanclub.twoketo.com. You answer a few questions and you're in the running to win something in every show. Mm-hmm. And today's winner, wait for it. Andrew Wynn from Kent in the UK. Well done, Andrew. Congratulations. You have well a mug with Andrew. our mugs Good. on it. <laughs> That's right. You lucky devil, mm-hmm. you. And so you can put your uh, 
hot cocoa or your your moxie or whatever the heck you guys drink out there in Kent in there mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy. And if you don't want to wait to win a mug, uh, you can always buy one at gear.2keto.com. Yeah, and pick yourself up a t-shirt while you're there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, I think it's time to read some... Okay, I'm going to go first. So, we got a mail here to our email address, which is dudes2ketodudes.com. This is from Coralie, and Coralie says, Hi, Carla Richard. Uh, My name is Coralie. Hello, Coralie. First off, I'd, I'd like to just say that I love you two and your podcast. I've been keto for only two months now, and you two have made it the smoothest transition. Uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't listen to a Two Keto Dudes podcast. Uh, I've started from the top, so I'm still catching up, but I'm blown away by how informed and relatable you two are. Oh, shucks. Thank you, oh, Carly. Anyway, yeah, nice. anyway, this email is not about me, she says. Y- you all just had to know how much I appreciate you. At first, my mum thought that I was going to give myself a heart attack every time she saw a stick of butter in my hand. Before starting mm. keto, I'd learned that I have high cholesterol. Uh, for example, mm. my LDL was 133. Um, actually, I should mention that that's it's, actually not that high, Coralie. It's, I mean, it's not high. It, it, they, no. Doctors start talking about putting you on statins when you get over 200. So 133 is not that high at all. Um, and I wouldn't let any doctor tell you that that, that that is bad. Even if it was high, like, you know, three or 400, um, there's not really good justification for uh, for saying that LDL at that level is bad unless you know what kind of LDL it is. But anyway. And actually, there's a correlation, uh, maybe not causation, but there's a correlation of heart attack events and strokes with low cholesterol. And I would say yep. yours is low. So, <laughs> right. it may be bad for the opposite right. reason. Who knows, right? Well, we don't. We certainly don't. So, anyway, but she says, I've pretty much had to sneak this lifestyle past my mother and just let her see the results with time. She wanted me to take Mm. these diet pills knowing for helping lower cholesterol. After two months and even three full weeks of no weight loss, my clothes were getting looser, my skin clearer, and my energy and mood were amazing. Everyone around me could Mm. tell. At this point, I've lost 18 pounds and a lot of inches. My mum started mm. asking me what I was doing, and I just responded, I'm eating butter and bacon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, that's pretty much it. So she's also pretty overweight, she says, uh, but it's been a lifelong struggle for her. If you name any fad diet, she's probably done it, pills, juicing, yeah. all of it. She's currently on dialysis, peritoneal dialysis to be exact. So I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. She probably got kidney disease. Mm. Coralie goes on and she says, My mother has a catheter placed in her abdomen, which is where the whole dialysis process happens, and she's had a decent Mm -hmm. layer of fat on her abdomen that her doctor told her she had to slim down because it can cause the catheter to move, which could potentially cause complications with her dialysis. Her doctor placed her on a decently high-protein diet, specifically red meat and eggs, at least eight a day, in order to protect her muscles and to also help with the hemoglobin levels. The weight loss was up to her to figure out. He told her to go on walks often and to stay active in order to lose weight. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. That's really not great advice. But anyway, no. Coralie goes on. I have to tell you that my mum used to have an insane sweet tooth, uh, which I also got from her. Uh, since starting dialysis, she's had no cravings for sweets and she's still gaining weight. Of course, some of the weight could be coming from the cleansing fluid from the dialysis that she's had trouble eliminating. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm-hmm. with peritoneal dialysis. Um 
But at the end of the day, I find myself wondering if maybe the ketogenic diet may be ideal for her. I asked her doctor if it was something she could do, and he just laughed and said, these young kids find anything on the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah. She goes on and says, I'm not sure what he means by that, but uh, keto is working for me. Granted, I don't have half the issues my mum has, but still, he didn't exactly give it the green light, more like a yellow light. What I'm worried about for, mm. for my mother is, even though she isn't eating sweets and barely any carbs already, she's still getting heavier. My theory is it could be the peritoneal cleansing fluid, which is composed of dextrose. There are different concentrations that she uses depending on her level of water retention. I asked her nurse if dextrose affects her insulin levels, and the nurse said maybe, which wasn't really helpful. Um, so she's saying, please help me or guide me uh, to where I can help her live comfortably again. Uh, the first thing I would say, we've said it maybe three times already in this podcast, and we've said it at the beginning of every other podcast, is we're not doctors. We're not doctors. Yeah. We can't give you medical mm -hmm. advice. Um, what I would suggest is to uh, get in touch with uh, intensive dietary management practice, uh, which is yes. the practice of Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. And Jason Fung is a nephrologist. He's a kidney doctor. That's his expertise. And he also uh, works with people remotely, can work with people over Skype, can work with people via email if he has to. He will give you advice on how to manage her diet. Having said that, um, I've done a little bit of research and I will put some links into the show notes of some research about alternate dialysites, which is the liquid that you use in peritoneal dialysis, that aren't glucose-based. Nice. The reason they use glucose is because of the osmolality. It draws liquid out. It's a little bit like when you put honey on a wound and all of a sudden the wound dries up and, and it heals and it looks like honey's got some magical antibiotic effect. But in fact, the reason that honey does that is because it's so strong in glucose, in sugar, that uh, it draws water out of any, anything it touches. And so it draws huh. water out of the bacteria on the surface of the skin. Well, in the same case with the body, you put a, in, if you put in the peritoneal cavity a, a liquid that is uh, there's high high amount of glucose in it, it will draw water and other um, uh, liquids into the cavity so that they can be flushed out. So I understand that's why that they're using it. But there are options other than dextrose-based dialysites. There is one made from a uh, polymer of, of uh, glucose, which uh, which is not metabolized, um, but it has the same uh, effect. So uh, so there are hmm. there are options, and you really should talk to Dr. Fung and uh, Megan Ramos about this. I would also listen to our last most recent Obesity Code podcast about kidney disease. Yes. Uh, this was, uh, was it John Collier, Carl? Yes, John Collier from the UK mm. had uh, kidney disease. He had diabetes for 20 some odd years and uh, his kidneys did fail um, even though he had started a ketogenic diet before his kidneys failed. Uh, kidney failure is usually not reversible. Right. Uh, it's Jason likens it to driving your car without oil. Mm. You're going to do some damage. Yeah. Yeah, it does permanent damage to the engine. And uh, even though you change the oil afterwards, uh, the damage has been done. So yeah. that said, uh, he did reverse his diabetes even after kidney failure. Right. He was able to get his A1C down to prevent further damage. Mm. And so, yeah, it turns out that it was a really good idea for him. Yeah. If he can get a kidney, he'll he'll probably be okay. You know, that that's the right. that's the situation there. But yeah. the other thing for Coralie is that you mentioned that you get your sweet tooth from your mum. 
you probably have similar problems with uh, insulin resistance. I mean, the, mm-hmm. your mum's problem with weight could well stem from uh, insulin resistance, and she may be just further down the continuum than, than you are. And uh, mm. it may well be that being able to put a stop on the runaway train that is insulin resistance earlier on, you may be able to avoid some of the things that your mother probably can't avoid now with the dialysis and what have you. Right. I'm glad that we're giving people options because, and we're talking we're talking to a lot of people with kidney problems. Um, Kevin Mountain is another example. He was on one of our podcasts before. His daughter has diabetes and was uh, diagnosed with diabetes at 28. So uh, he didn't get it until he was in his 30s. And so it's good for us that we can actually get the message out because it means that the next generation can avoid some of the problems before they even happen. Right. Very good. So that's my mail. It's a bit of a downer. Sorry about that. Well, you know, it's important. Yeah. So what have you got, Carl? Uh, Mine is a little bit lighter. This is in the forum, uh, in the ketogenic forums. This is from John B., titled Amusing Trouble at the Airport. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Says, the family and I just got back from a trip to Disney World. Mm. When we went through security, I was asked to take my belt off. Okay. Now, I had already reached (laughs) my goal weight a while back and had purchased some new jeans, but I have dropped another inch since then, and I need the belt. Yeah. My pants don't fall down, but they droop a little bit, and my shirt covers it, so no biggie. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I get into that scanner <laughs> where they have me hold my hands above my head. Right. And every time the security agent tells me, pull your pants up. <laughs> I do. But when I hold my hands above my head, down they droop down again. again. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to stick out my tummy in order to keep them up so I can get through security. And this happened on each flight going oh, to dear. and from Florida. Wow, that's awesome, yeah. isn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> what an outstanding result. Yeah. And that's a great non-scale victory, even though your pants are falling down. Yeah. Be proud. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to roll this interview here, and I do apologize up front. We recorded this back on the 21st of December. Right. It's a great interview, and Dr. Brian Lenskis went long, and we just let him. Mm-hmm. So the show is a little bit longer than usual, but I think you're with us when we say we couldn't cut any of it. It was just a good conversation. So let's roll that recording now. And that brings us to our guest, Richard. Yeah. Brian Lenskis. He's an internal medicine doc in San Diego, California. He trained at USC Irvine. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a, a story to tell. Uh, and it's, it's great to have real doctors on the show once in a while. Yeah, welcome, Brian. <laughs> welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor. You guys have made a huge impact on me, and I greatly appreciate you guys. Oh, thank you. And my patients, I steer them all towards you guys because you guys have great information. So, tell me, Brian, how did you get to a ketogenic diet? That's a bit unusual for a physician, right? Well, hopefully not in the near future. (laughs) I'm working on it down here. We're working in San Diego. We're building a team down here to to change things. You know, I've I've struggled with weight my entire life. Growing up, uh, overweight as a kid. Mm -hmm. In high school, I wrestled. Right. And, gained, and, and lost a lot of weight there. I wrestled at 165 pounds, mm. but played football at 205 because I was one of the smaller guys in the middle of the defensive line there. So, after football season, I had to cut, you know, 40 pounds quickly. So, we did all this crazy fasting and running and starving yourself and spitting and all the, all the terrible stuff wrestlers <laughs> do to get down <laughs> to weight so that we can compete. Yeah. So, after that, I started gaining weight and I gained more weight after college. And throughout college. 
And then med school, of course, <laughs> you have the worst diet in the world. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been to med school. <laughs> you know, in med school, it's the worst. You, you go to conferences and everything is carbs. You know, wow. morning conferences, we have to go do carbs and coffee and that's what we have. When you have a break, especially in residency, you start, uh, you think, uh-oh, I may not eat again tonight, so I'm going to shove down a bunch of food. And then later on, you have another break to eat again and you say, uh-oh, we better eat again to shove down some more food. So, a lot of us right. will gain weight during residency while we tell people to watch their diet, right? It's really astounding, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Your job is to make people healthy and- Well, and the, and the other thing that was really interesting that now all this is kind of being studied and, and, and we're seeing that- is I would tell my wife, man, after a call night, I'm starving the next day. Hmm. And it's probably because I was spiking my insulin by eating all the bad food. Right, sure. And then you're up all night and not sleeping, so you're you're hungry. So, yeah, everyone would be starving the next day, and it would be kind of that you get into that role. So, then I go into my practice, and I get up to about 250 pounds, and my patients every day are asking me, hey, doc, how do I lose weight? <laughs> Give me a pill, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> And I say, well, if I had a pill, I'd, I'd be taking it myself, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd be relaxing at home taking a pill too. Mm. But I tell them you can take any pill you want and then start wa watching your diet and start exercising. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I went down the, that path of uh, paleo diet, cutting my carbs as much as possible. And one day I was listening to Rob Wolf and he mentioned this guy named Jason Fung a few times. Mm. And I thought, you yeah, know, I wonder who this guy is. And he said he had, had a book out. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll look on YouTube and see if he's a nut job like a lot of these guys <laughs> are and give crazy advice. And I thought, wow, he's actually a doctor, huh? Mm -hmm. So, I watched his an interview with Jason Fung and it changed my life. Mm -hmm. I, it was the first time in my medical career. And this is 12 years into practice, guys. Yeah. And Jason Fung starts going through all these things that I've told patients for the last 12 years. I would say, don't skip breakfast. If you skip breakfast, you're going to gain weight. Mm -hmm. Eat every, you know, three times or at least three to five times a day. And we're talking six meals a day, small meals. Right. To, just to stimulate the metabolism. Right. Sure. That's what I was told too. And Jason comes out and says, nah, it's garbage. Yeah. It's <laughs> not true. And here, there's no study to prove that. Yeah. Someone showed me the study. Right? right. So, I had to reassess that and say, you know, this guy, I, you know, I always look at someone's motives when I talk to someone. Right. Mm. And I see Jason Fung and he says, look, I have nothing to sell you by fasting. I can't sell you anything. That's right. But what I can do is uh, help you, you know? And, and he says the same thing. He goes, look, no one's getting rich selling books. Yeah. And it's true. the interviewer asked him, said, well, if it's so great, how come everyone's not doing it? And the point is, you you can't give them a drug to do it. You have to do it yourself. Right. And there's nothing you could charge people for to fast, right. you know? And so, going down that whole avenue with Jason Fung and watching him say, look, you know, if you, if you fast for a day, your metabolism actually goes up and doesn't go down. And also, you know, that, that you don't need to eat. It's, it's ridiculous to think that you need to eat every two hours when you're sitting at your desk doing nothing. Right. Totally. So, I thought, you know, this guy, this guy, he, he has credibility because he's a doc. Mm -hmm. He seems to be a pretty bright guy. And the more you see, the, the more you understand this, is, this guy's the real deal. Mm. And his motivation was about uh, diabetes because, uh, I mean, he's a nephrologist. He, his specialty is dealing with people at end-stage kidney disease, you know, diabetic kidney disease, and, and he figured out that the only way to not see all of these horrible cases that are, were hopeless uh, was to try and get the disease early. So that's yeah. his motivation. That's he, he doesn't make money from – he makes – you know, uh, he, his motivation is altruistic. He's trying to stop people seeing him. <laughs> Well, and the fact is he's swimming in patients who are, you know, kidney failure and end-stage diabetes and amputations and, you know, it gets to you. 
And he's like, "What? What yeah. can? How can we treat this? This is untreatable. Yeah, it's it's, it can't be untreatable." And that's true. And a lot of times, doctors get burned out. We get burned out because we see people get worse every day. They're yeah. they're getting worse every year. They gain fifteen pounds. And the whole point Jason Fung talks about, and and a lot of these guys, all of us are now saying insulin resistance is the problem. And the more I looked into this stuff, I started realizing, wow, I must be insulin resistant. Let me check my insulin levels. And this is after eating a pretty low carb diet for a while. I have a significant family history of diabetes. And, you know, my family, they're from Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I went to USC, so we have some battles coming up with (laughs) Ohio State and USC uh, (laughs) in the bowl game coming up. But... They take it very serious down there. Yeah. But the the point is, I see these guys taking insulin for their diabetes, and then they're eating chocolate cake and Coke and do what they do. And they say, no problem. I'll just shoot up more insulin, not realizing the impact. Right. And, you know, I'll just take some more Lipitor and eat some more uh, donuts, yep. you know. And, and so, we see that and you say, gosh, that's not the right approach, guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in big trouble. And even Jason Fung said that. He said, once you go down that road of diabetes, we've we've all seen the nightmares. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the peripheral neuropathy, kidney failure, blindness, skin ulcers, horrible stuff. One thing that he said in the last uh, obesity code with, um, with John Collier was that diabetes is reversible, but the damage that it does, you know, disease-wise isn't. And, you know, not kidney disease, it. not all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can bring your eyesight back to a certain level, yeah. but permanent damage can't be undone. So... He, uh, he had a great metaphor, and you probably heard it, where he's talking about you can drive your car around all the time without oil in it, you're going to do permanent damage. Once you find the damage, it's not like topping it off with oil is going to help anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's the point. And, J- and, he, he, and I loved when he said, uh, it's basically doing dialysis is like the, the guy's blown up his engine already, now I'm here changing your oil. Right. It's yeah. pretty useless. Yeah. I'm just keeping you alive at that point and you have no quality of life. And I've seen it. It's a miserable existence for people. Yeah. Anyone out there who, who has a family member on dialysis knows you're, you're going in there three times a week yeah. and it's a struggle, you know, and it puts you at increased risk of cardiovascular disease and all this. So, I think that's it. We, we go into medicine to help people and I think the problem is we didn't know what tools to use. And so, I had quite a progression down this road, and, and that's what was interesting to me is I, two years before that, I went for a run with a friend of mine who's a triathlete in really good shape, and I said, hey, come back to my house. We'll have some orange juice, you know, and I'll make, I have an orange tree in my backyard. I'll squeeze the, some orange juice, and we'll sit and talk about life, and he looked at me like I was nuts <laughs> and, he, and, and joking. He said, doctor, orange juice, really? You're joking, right? No wonder you're struggling with weight. I said, what do you mean? It's f- fructose, natural sugar? Yeah. You know, we'll just... He said, how many oranges do you use to make a, a pitcher of orange juice? Uh, about two shopping bags. Yeah. He said, would you ever invite me over to your house and say, hey, let's each ha- have a shopping bag full of oranges? <laughs> he says, ridiculous what you're doing, man. It's crazy, Doc. Yeah. And then he says, and I said, it's fructose. Come on, not a problem. And he said, hey, uh, what do you give your diabetic patients when you start them on insulin if their sugars go low? Mm-hmm. I said, uh, Give them orange juice. Yeah. Right? He <laughs> says, why do you do that, doctor? Right? Pick it, pick it on me to say, what, what, yeah. why are you doing yeah. this? And then you realize, oh, that's a problem. We don't want to raise our, our sugars quickly. Right. You know, that's going to spike, you know, cause an insulin problem also. Right. So, down that road, he said, here, look at uh, uh, Dr. Lustig, right. Sugar the Bitter oh, Truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that impacted me. I thought, holy cow, this guy's right. He, he's talking about blood pressure going up with insulin resistance and all these all these problems. I said, well, this guy's not nutty either. He he looked at all the diabetics, you know, in kids, and he come he said that the biggest correlation was with sugary drinks. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 
because we're spiking our sugars up quickly and then the insulin goes up to get rid of them. Then we get into the spiral. Where we're hungry all the time and eating. And as you guys know, you guys talk about it all the time. Yeah. We get into that insulin resistance problem. Yep. So after that, who do I come across? Gary Taubes. Yeah. <laughs> I reached out to him. He's writing a, a book about docs who understand low-carb diets. Awesome. And I reached out to him. He called me and said, hey, let's do this thing. And, and so I, we were going to do an hour talk. We talked for about two and a half hours. <laughs> and it was really amazing. And then I get you guys. It's, it, this is like a dream for me. It's an unbelievable. Some no, but you know. And then talking to Jason Fung, he's been an incredible mentor, helping guys out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is pretty amazing. So tell me about how you applied this knowledge to your patients. So what happened? It, I'll, I'll, let me tell you a little bit more about uh, the progression. So I start cutting my carbs, doing intermittent fasting. Read the Big Fat Surprise, which is huge for for as a doctor. Read, they think, holy cow. Yeah. Let me, because I was afraid to eat fat. I mean, it is ingrained in our brain. And even if you have experts coming out saying, when you look at the data and say, hmm, what's happening here? We look at the, some data with statin drugs, like, well, I thought that cured everyone and prevented heart disease. Yeah, yeah. So, you go down this progression. After Jason Fung, I, I started cutting my carbs, started intermittent fasting. I took off 25 pounds. This is in February I started. And the the other big instigator of this whole thing is in January, I, I do volunteer work and, you know, do medical missions around the world. I was in Guatemala and we went, we're hiking a volcano. <laughs> and there's about eight of us hiking. I'm the fattest guy there, of course. Right. And these guys had horses and these guys said, hey, you're going to, you're going to need a horse. And I said, no, no, no. I've done this before. I don't need a horse. <laughs> they said, you're going to need a horse. We'll follow you just in case. You're going to need it. So, we'll just follow. And, I, and, you know, of course, I'm sweating and dying and I get up to the top without the horse. I was happy. Then I got out of the hospital two weeks later. No, I'm just oh. uh, <laughs> No, I made it. It was okay. What was your blood sugar like before all this started? You know what's funny? I, I really never checked. My, my sugars were fine previously, and I actually had a coronary calcium score that was zero when I started practice. Nice. Huh. And I'm, I'm going to do another one in the near future because Ivor Cummins and, and Dr. Gerber, you know, really convinced me of, of the importance. Yeah. Mm. Basically, what, what happened along the line was... I was 25 pounds down, working out, watching my carbs, and um, doing intermittent fasting like J Jason Fung recommended. I was feeling great. My energy's up. Run across a friend of mine um, named Mar Mark Waddell, who I'm going to be talking with uh, in this upcoming talk we're we were uh, discussing. And he's an ultra marathon runner. Okay. Right? So, we're sitting there talking. He looks at me. He's like, man, Brian, you lost weight. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm down about 20 pounds, 25 pounds, something like that. <laughs> As I'm cutting my carbs, working out. Good. He said, you've always done that, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, why is it working now? And I said, well, I'm just cutting my carbs more. I didn't want to tell him I'm fasting because everyone thinks you're nuts yeah, and right, you got to argue right, with right. them for half an hour, right? Yeah. And I'm still an infant in this stuff at that point. <laughs> I probably didn't even know about you guys yet. <laughs> But he looks at me and says, uh, huh, are you taking any pills or anything? And I said, no, I, I don't take any of that stuff. No, I just work out. And uh, and I said, I'm doing this little intermittent fasting type stuff. And he looked at me and said, do you know who Jason Fung is? And this guy's an engineer. <laughs> he has nothing to do with uh, wow. medicine. I said, come on. Do you know who Jason? I didn't know anyone who Jay. I never heard his name before. I had no idea. And I just heard about him. And I was reading the obesity code. Mm. And he said, yeah, I'm reading that book right now. It's outstanding. Said, Guess what? I'm running ultra marathons in the fasted state. Whoa, wow. nice. Right? And so I said, you're kidding me. He said, no. I said, how do you do it? What are your times like? And his times are dropping. He's faster than he's ever been. And people are thinking he's he's shooting up something to get faster. Right. He said, I'm just fasting, yeah. right? So then you run across Tim Noakes and his story, which is unbelievable. He, he's, a, he's a huge hero, right? Yeah, he is. Mm. Yeah. So my friend Mark says, you know, we should talk about this stuff because it's valuable. I think we can help a lot of people because 
we both kind of see the same problem that we're, that we're struggling with with fasting, especially in the church. You know, we both go to a Christian church, mm-hmm. and people can't fast. It's like I can't go two. Day, you know, you're kidding me. I can't go a day without eating. I can't skip breakfast. Yeah. Right. And when you realize, I tell my patients now, they say I can never skip lunch. I said this guy's running a hundred miles fasted, yeah. yeah, and you can't skip lunch right. <laughs> sitting at your desk, really. Yeah, yeah. So that convinced me a lot too to give me courage. Say I could probably fast a little bit more, and I could do a little bit more. So. That was kind of the progression that got me on on this course, and and I started noticing for the first time in my life that I was losing weight um, pretty easily, and it was exciting to me. And by the time I checked my A1C, it was about five point eight, so it could I was in the pre diabetic yeah, range, yeah, right. definitely. And my insulin level was seven point eight, right? Hmm. And Jason Funk says, "Hey, keep it less than five, less than three is ideal." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And he helped me along the way with that also. And so, I just kept plugging along. I kept calm and ketoed on. Yes. So, I'm, I'm really interested in how you how you got your patients into it if you did. Well, what happened is I saw – the best thing is my patients would start asking me, Doc, you're losing weight. What are you doing? I said, well, do you really want to know, right? And so, we started having that discussion. I started seeing my diabetic patients and, and uh, discussing this. I said, hey, insulin resistance is a problem. I'll tell you the biggest – Impact after Jason Fung, the next big impact is I went to this low carb USA. It was in San Diego. If it was somewhere else, I wouldn't have gone. I go, yeah, it's a couple blocks from my office. I'll just Uber right. over there and check it out. <laughs> and it was called Low Carb USA. So I'm thinking they're not going to my my office isn't going to pay for that. You know, I'm in private practice. So we actually got CME through through Dr. Gerber set that up, and nice. I know he did a lot of work behind the scenes mm-hmm. to get that. So I think when the more we do those things, we're going to draw in docs. But I remember going to that conference and I didn't want to miss a second because every speaker was fantastic. And you say, wow, I didn't know they were doing stuff with Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's right. disease, all these things, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. all the major conditions that we see. And you think, holy cow, insulin resistance is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you see guys like Ivor Cummins, uh, Dave Feldman, those guys really influenced me on cholesterol because that was my biggest stumbling block. I said, I can't put people on this diet and then they have a heart attack because everyone's scared about That's that. That's exactly what my doctor told me. Mm. That's She said, yeah. I cannot recommend this because if there's one ancillary heart attack, I'll, I'm, I might lose my license. Well- that is, that's a true, you know, here's the problem. This is what we face. And it, it's nice when, when it's theoretical and, and, and someone's sitting there doing research and said, yeah, this is the way to go. In my practice, in all practice, we know diabetics at least 70 to 80% of the time are going to die of cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so we, we have to do what we can to prevent that. The problem is one of those guys, you just take them off a statin drug and put them on a high fat diet. And they have a heart attack, which they were probably going to have already. Right. Sure. Then you get called to court and the prosecutor says, hey, doctor, right? right. This doctor took him off a stand drug, put him on IFAT, died, they had heart, he, killed the, he killed the patient, right? Yeah. right? So, so, there's a standard of care and that's a problem. We, we have to change the standard of care. Well, wait, let me back up there though. I mean, what Tim Noakes did was he proved that he didn't, right? He didn't, it wasn't malpractice. In other words, the science exactly. is in your favor. So, is it just a matter for, for docs of finding the right science for their d- own defense? Absolutely. I, of course. That's why I respect I respect these guys who stepped out. Uh, Naaman stepped mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And he was, before they had, and they stepped out in faith, these guys, because yeah, they, they knew it was right. So, they may not have had all the data that I have now. So, for me, I'm, I'm like the guy who was sitting in the foxhole waiting for those guys to take the hill. Yeah. Right. Now, we say, okay, 
I'm the brave guy. There's no one shooting anymore. And I'm going to come. There's going to be people shooting. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But the point is, when you start understanding, if we can justify our position, right, right, because Dr. Kraft, I, I think you guys are probably aware of Dr. Kraft's work, where oh, he yeah. said, look, insulin resistance is the problem. So, after going to that conference, I came back and said, uh, you know, let me, let me look at this. When he said the number one, he says, the, the thing that's killing these guys is high insulin. He said, these guys who've had strokes, heart, you know, for people who don't know, Dr. Kraft was a pathologist who practiced forever. Yeah. He did over 3,000 autopsies and he looked in the coronary vessels. He wasn't doing studies in his office. He was actually looking at these people. And when he retired, I guess he was bored and started looking at the data mm. and saying, what was the correlation between these guys dying of a heart attack or stroke or whatever event they had? Right? Yeah. yeah. And he came up with high insulin levels. Yep. It wasn't high LDL, it wasn't all this stuff that we're worried about. And you start looking at it and you understand that, that LDL is something we can manipulate chemically. Yeah. Yep. Right? Sure. sure. Insulin, you can't really uh, manipulate too much. We, we can help it out. We can help lower the sugars, but we want to do it with drugs rather than by diet. Right. Yeah. So, I came back to my practice and I was like, I wonder if that guy's nutty or not. You know, it, it, could that be true that insulin resistance is the problem? So, I grabbed my, I've had six guys in my practice who've had um, coronary artery bypass surgery. Mm, sure. Every single one of them had elevated insulin levels. Yeah. There you go. Not all of them had high LDL. There you go. So, Dr. Kraft actually says that anybody who has a, a heart disease who has not been diagnosed as diabetic yet has probably just not been diagnosed yet. And he saw signs of it in their hearts when he autopsied them. So, you know, that was essentially he's saying that most cases of cardiovascular disease are caused by insulin. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's what we have to, that's what I have to fall back now and say, look, you're diabetic. What's going to kill you? Mm. Yeah. Right. You're, you're going to die of, of cardiovascular disease 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. Best thing we could do is reverse the diabetes. Mm. So one of my partners is an endocrinologist. Interesting. My other partner is the smartest guy I've ever met. <laughs> and both of them just rode me when I started looking at this keto diet. You know, I started losing weight. They go, oh, yeah, it's a fad. It's not going to say, because that's the thing is either it's going to kill people or it's a fad. Mm. Yeah, it's a fad, but Snickers bars and Mountain Dew aren't a fad. That's okay. Well, I'm a guy who loves stories. Let, let me just go. With, uh, let me finish this thought and I'll go back. Mm. Um, so, I, I said, hey, you know what, guys? I pulled them into my office. I said, you guys are right. It's a fad. I didn't realize until I read this book. So, I, I happen to have a, a habit of collecting old textbooks because I think it's funny. You look back <laughs> at the stuff they thought that was nuts, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I pulled a textbook from 1889. Nice. And I said, look how stupid these guys were. Insulin was invented in 1921. Yeah, yeah. So, in 1889, they say, what's the treatment for diabetes? Low, Low carb, carb diet, diet, high fat diet. <laughs> yep. So I said, what about 1911? They must have come around then. Uh, same thing, yep. yeah. right? Cut your carbs, eat more fat, eat more protein. Yep. So in 1921, we get insulin. Now we say, you know what? You don't need that restrictive diet anymore. We'll just give you a drug to take care of it. And that's like Jason Fung just did another article that was fantastic that says, look, we just want to treat it. We, we have a drug. We're going to treat it. You could do whatever you want. Now. Right. Yeah. So now seizure disorder historically is what we treated, what we, was treated with ketogenic diet. Now we say, we have drugs for that. Ah, just eat whatever you want. Now you don't have to worry about it. We'll give you a drug. So that's what happens. We get so lazy. We just want to throw a drug at everyone. Now going back to the, the, the um, Snickers bars. The fad diet. Yeah. Get this. So this is the other thing that convinced me along my path. One of my patients who had a bypass surgery. Uh, uh, he's a, a ranger at, at uh, Grand Canyon and a couple other okay. uh, national parks. Mm -hmm. So, okay. six hours a day he's hiking. Yeah. Mm. Right. He, this guy's fit, great shape. Right. Other than the scar on his chest, he's doing pretty darn well. 
So I get his labs back at his physical. He weighs about 157 pounds. Wow. Right? Get his labs back. His A1C is 8.2 or something. Whoa. Like that. Wow. And I thought, I actually called the lab. I said, you guys made him. There's no way this guy has uh, diabetes. Mm. Uh, and this is before I had seen all the, the uh, before I had heard about Dr. Kraft. And I said, there's no way this skinny guy has diabetes. He hikes all day. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. So I called him and I said, hey, I have a question for you. Um, what do you eat, right? What's your diet like? <laughs> Runs on glucose, right? right? It, exactly what you're saying, Carl. <laughs> he said, I have pancakes and syrup for breakfast every yep. day. A big thing of orange juice, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And before I leave, I have to hike, so I need carbs. And he'll have a Mountain Dew. <laughs> then while he's hiking, he, he takes trail mix <laughs> with, nut, with, 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 with M&M's. Mm-hmm. Raisins, all that kind yeah. of stuff, and two Snickers bars because they're easy to carry. <laughs> yeah, that's his lunch. Then dinner time, he goes out for pasta and uh, bread with his wife. Right, and he's running on glucose. He's never had a problem with weight. Never been an issue. Now we're seeing that if you're a skinny diabetic, you're in more trouble than us obese diabetics. Yeah, you are because you don't have the fat right? to take the bullet for you. Yeah, and, and the fat's not being distributed where we can see it. It's distributed around the organs. My body put all my blood sugar into my fat. And uh, kept it. I never got above 7.4, even though I was 366 pounds. People who actually can get fat are actually advantaged because they can see the oncoming train wreck. Whereas people who are thin and are diabetic, they, don't, they never see it coming. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, the guy with the big beer gut that's firm, that hits it, this is all muscle, but his <laughs> arms and legs are skinny. He's at the most risk. Yeah, that's right. Because all that fat is, is stored around your liver, liver, around your your pancreas and so you're getting major insulin resistance which we know is a cardio cardiovascular risk yep. factor we're, we're seeing metabolic syndrome we're seeing this under our eyes and we keep doing the same thing we keep saying low fat diet even though we're having more and more obesity more and more diabetes so at some point doctors have to be smart enough to step back and look at the big picture and that's what i had to do and i had to, I had to say gosh are my patients getting better or worse and i said when's the last time i had a guy come in who's in good shape that says you know doc I used to weigh 300 pounds. Then I started eating six times a day, and the the weight just fell off. <laughs> yeah. See, Does that ever happen? It's never happened. I've never seen. I've talked to a ton of people. I said, "Has anyone heard of this guy?" Because that's what that's the recommendation we give people. It's true, and it's yeah. it's idiotic. It should be working right if it's right? if it's the right. official. Yeah, I mean, that's the recommendation. So to go along with what you're saying, also, Carl, after this conference, I thought, "Holy cow, we're onto something. This is something amazing." We're going to decrease cardiovascular risk. We're going to take people off diabetes medicines. Yeah. We're going to bring their blood pressure down. Their weight's going to come down. Their arthritis is going to get better. All this stuff that we see, it's all, it's amazing. I, when I was a new doc, before I had gray hairs, I was at a conference. This old guy's up there and he says, hey guys, look, 90% of what you treat is lifestyle mediated. He said, go back to your practice and see, I thought this guy's nuts. Then you mm, go back yeah. and I said, what do I treat all day? You have STDs, you have, you know, uh, uh, alcohol-related problems, mm-hmm. smoking-related problems, obesity-related problems. I mean, a lot of that stuff is our lifestyle, yep. even if you're a runner and you rip your joints apart. Right. So, the, there's a lot of things that we treat, back pain, you know, yeah. you don't take care of yourself, your core muscle's weak. So, at some point, we have to, we have to reassess. And I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes these things happen where you start seeing a bunch of things at once and you think, that doesn't make sense. After this conference, I reached out to a guy who's actually going to speak at this, this conference that I'm doing. Um, his name's Chuck. And this guy works for my wife. He does IT. He's 458 pounds, right? I couldn't weigh him mm-hmm. at my office. Mine only goes to 400. Wow. So, man. he goes and he gave me permission to talk about okay. this, by the way. Uh, so, 
he had to go to a, a, a shipping place to get weighed the first time, right? He can exercise. He's looking into getting an wow. electric wheelchair. He's, he's logging in remotely into my wife's computer, which is about 100 yards away. Wow. Right? Rather than go up there and helping. So, uh, I said, gosh, I felt embarrassed. I didn't yeah. want to call the guy and, and uh, you know, you don't want to embarrass sure. someone. You don't want to be. So, I said, ask my wife. I ran it by her. Would you be okay if I call this guy? Because I had met him a couple of times, but we, we weren't friends or anything. We were just cordial type yeah. thing. And so, I called him and I said, uh, I left a message and sure. said, hey, you know, if you're interested, I'm on this journey and I need someone to come alongside me. And I think you're a good guy. I, I've seen your integrity and what you want to do. So, he called me that day. He said, you're kidding me. He said, I was at my desk praying that God would help me because I've been eating salads and, and taking off and going to McDonald's because I'm losing my mind. Right. And he says, what are you doing? Sure. And I told him, he said, look, I can't fast for more than three hours at a time. I get shaky and nervous and sweaty, mm -hmm. you know. So, that's probably going to be out of, the, out of the question. I said, well, you know, you have, why, why don't you come in? So, he came into my office and I, and I know his boss uh, uh, who's a pastor there. And, and I said, hey, look, I'll see this mm -hmm. guy for free. Because I think, I believe I can help this wow. guy. And will you pay for his labs? Because nice. I'll send him to the lab and I'll, I'll see him for free until we get this thing squared away. So, he says, no problem. I got it. I love the guy. He's a great guy. Guy comes to my office and I say, okay, when's the last time you had labs? And he's about, he's, he's around 46 years old. Five years ago, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Wow. First thing I think is, what am I getting myself right. into? Then I thought, you know what? This guy's going to have diabetes. Yeah. He's going to have all these problems, and I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to be able to show people, look, guys, we reversed all this stuff. So, I get his labs back, and to my disappointment yeah. and shock, not to, I'm kidding, but his, his cholesterol is normal. His cholesterol is better than mine. His A1C is 5.2. Whoa. Right. His sugar is normal. Everything's oh. normal. Liver tests, everything's yeah. normal, except this darn test that I never get till now, insulin. Insulin. Insulin level is 40, right? Wow. Yep. He's got insulin resistant. So, this is the point. Doctors do not check insulin, including myself before. So, you check insulin on him, you think, holy cow, my other mm -hmm. guy's insulin's through the roof. This guy's insulin's through the roof. But now, and I go to my endocrinologist partner who says, look, I don't believe in this diet. I say, look, what do you think this guy's going? Oh, he's going to be diabetic for sure, right? It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So, now… Like when I was talking to Gary Towns, I said, look, yeah. this is the check engine light, yep. right? When your insulin is high, everything can look mm. great and you think everything's wonderful. And your doctor says, you know, go on and have a good life. You're, you're, you're lucky genetically. Right. But it's a matter of time. It's going to be diabetes. And yep. unless you change, you got to reverse the insulin yep. resistance. Yep. Plus, you're never going to lose weight when you're insulin resistance because we, right. we know that insulin is, is the number one determiner of fat storage. His insulin's right? working great. Once your insulin is over 14, you can't get energy out of fat cells. Exactly. The, the, your, your fat cells are prevented from releasing energy into circulation. So, yeah, once you're over 14, you're on the downhill slide. You're going to only get bigger. I can't wait to hear what happened with him. It's a great story. It doesn't stop. I say, well, here's what we're going to do. You can't fast. You won't be able to fast. Like you're saying, it's, it's yeah. you can't get your fat stores that are sitting there. There are energy it's stores. too high. And then I go through all Jason's Fung stuff to explain to him, look, here's, here's the progression. You, we, we, we really got to fix this insulin resistance first before you can fast. So, this guy's had pedal edema in his legs for eight yeah. years, right? He's miserable. Uh, sure. He goes home, falls asleep after work. He's dragging all the afternoon. He's tired all the time. And so, we... Say, let's, let's start this thing. Three days in, he calls me. Hey, doc, guess what? What? He said, I haven't eaten today. I said, it's five o'clock. What do you mean you haven't <laughs> eaten today? I said, I thought you couldn't fast for three hours. 
He said, not hungry. I've been eating this, this high fat stuff for three years. I love it. I can't believe it. I'm having fun. And he says, guess what else? Yeah. My swelling in my feet's gone. Wow. I've had it for eight years. I've, you know, th- yeah. they can't get rid of it. He said, it's gone. I can't believe it. Three days. Three days. Because what he did is he significantly dropped his insulin. He cut his yeah. carbs and dropped his insulin level down. Yeah. Right? He switched over so quick to fat burning, I couldn't believe yeah. it. Wow. Second week in, he says, you know, do you want to mm-hmm. fast with me for a couple of days? <laughs> I said, are you sure you want to do this, right? I mean, this is crazy to me. <laughs> wow. And I, I, I had already told him about the, the, uh, the ultra marathon guy and what he's doing. So, it's, it's incredible. So, I said, yeah, dude, I'll join you. Mm. And this guy, Mark, who I told you is the, the ultra marathon runner, he goes, yeah, I'll join you guys wow, too. cool. Well, Mark was having some trouble yeah. with gout attacks and you know what happened to me? I, I started getting my, what we call angioedema, mm-hmm. my, my lips started swelling. Yeah. And it turns out I talked, to, I went to this conference mm-hmm. to talk to all the experts. Yeah. They all shook their heads. No, no, ketosis doesn't cause that. No, 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 it's not yeah. that. I'm like, is this some kind of keto flu or something? And I, I never had a keto flu or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it turns out I was allergic to to walnuts. I div- I figured it out. It took me a while. Wow! But now I can't have walnuts. I can't have pecans. I get all messed up from that. Interesting. That's a common reaction to a nut allergy: lip swelling. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So that you know, finally I figured it out. Yeah. After alienating half the uh, low carb guys, saying this guy's nuts, he's talking about his lip swelling with ketosis. <laughs> right? They they don't see it. So macadamias probably. That's the, like the next highest on the list. Macadamias yeah, I can yeah. eat, no problem. Yeah. I, yeah. Had those. That's not a problem at no. all. I love them. So, here's his progression. He keeps going. And this guy is a fasting beast. He, he was a pastor before. He couldn't do it anymore because he was he, he couldn't go on the streets. And, you know, his story, you guys should get him on sometime because he's unbelievable. His story is amazing because he, he couldn't go out to eat. He couldn't go. Yeah. He had to fly first class. He, he couldn't afford it because he, he couldn't fit in the yeah, seats. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible what his life was like. He, can't, he, he loves Disneyland. He can't mm-hmm. go because he's too right. big. So, a weekend... He starts fasting. He's fasting for five days. The next time he fasts for two weeks. And I was like, Whoa. you know what, dude, you're on your own. I'm not a two week faster, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I said, look, yeah. I don't know about this. I, and, and this is stuff we're going to discuss at our, our conference because some of us can fast for a long time. I prefer two or three days, mm. uh, eating between. Some guys do alternate day fasting. So he does a two week fast. And he's like, I don't want to stop it. I feel so good. My energy's up. I'm getting mental clarity. He said, <laughs> as a pastor, I'm speaking to people and they're they're getting it. Like he, <laughs> wow. He's seeing this kind of he's this clarity. Yeah. You know, like Jason Fung's. He said, it's dumb. Like, yeah. why do all these major religions fast? Right. Well, because you get mental clarity, you get closer to God. Right. right? Yep. Before he couldn't do that because three hours he's shaking and miserable. He couldn't fast. He, he couldn't get to that state of ketosis. Right. We're all having these kind of experiences, and it was amazing to me. And and I said, we really got to do this talk. So we pushed the talk. We're, that's why we're, we're doing this. And it's it's morphed over time, because it was going to start out saying, "Hey, look, Christians, we're trying to get you guys into a place where you can fast and pray if that's what you want to do." Because it's it's like when when you bring up fasting, it's kind of like taxes, talking about tithing or taxes. Sure, and they, yeah, oh yeah. my gosh, I don't want to talk about. It. When J- when I saw Jason Fung saying, I was sure. like, "Oh, I don't want to hear about fasting. I, I like food. I'm not going to want to deal with this." Right. But once I started fasting, yeah. that's when I started mm-hmm. getting results. You know, and I know you guys have toyed around with it saying, gosh, the secret is knowing how much do I fast? How many carbs can I eat? You know, because it's not one size fits all. I think the I see wars going on on Twitter yeah. and I try to stay out of True. it. True. Because I think like Jason Fung says, hey, if you're vegan mm. and you want to fast one or two days a week, you'll see benefit. You know, it doesn't have to be that you have to eat butter all yeah. day long. You know, I, I think we, we carry things to extremes and sometimes we have to say, okay, what works for you? Right. Mm-hmm. If you're smoking two packs a day and we can get you down to one pack a day, mm-hmm. okay, we'll mm-hmm. make progress. Mm-hmm. If we can get you to stop drinking sodas, you know, to start with. I, I have a guy who just came in this week, which is amazing. He lost 12 pounds 
in three weeks. All he did, because I said, you know, you got he's tired all the time. I said, you know, you might have insulin. His insulin was a little high. So I said, every morning he has an orange juice yeah. and a muffin. I said, cut that. Do everything else the same. Cut that. In three weeks, he loses 12 oh, wow. pounds. He comes in, he's like shaking his head. He works out with a trainer. He's doing all this stuff. He said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> he's, this is the stupidest thing I've seen. So now, I, th- I don't know if you guys had a chance to look. I have a list of all these people and what their A1Cs have done. It's, um, I look and I can't believe it because they're, they're mm. getting results because they're getting insulin sensitive. They're coming off. They're, they're coming off I'd love to see meds, that list. Yeah. right? And, and let me tell you another one because you guys will get a kick out okay. of this. I have a lady, she comes in and says, Doc, look, I'm sick of being on insulin. I'm poking my fingers all the time. I'm gaining weight. I'm tired. And, and we know. Like Jason Funk says, hey, we give you insulin. You're going to gain 20 pounds. Then we get upset with you because you're gaining weight. You're not doing right, what you need yeah. to do. So, we say, all right, your sugars are high. We got to put you on more. <laughs> so, we're, we're killing our patient mm. and getting mad at them at the same time while we're doing it. Yeah, great. Right? We're causing the problem. So, you know, we, it's just that analogy he uses with, you know, if you're drinking 10 beers a day and you come in, it's the same thing as the insulin resistance. We don't say take 12, 14, 16, 20 until you get drunk. We say, no, 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 cut down, right? right. Then when you go out in a week or two and have one mm. or two beers, you feel it. Yeah. yeah. And you save a lot of money along the way. Mm. Saving a lot of money is part and parcel to this whole <laughs> unraveling of metabolic syndrome, isn't it? I mean, not only in, uh, you know, eating keto, but fasting. I mean, and think of all the medications you're not... Uh, you're not taking. And that brings me to this question, which is the more cynical among us would say, well, the system is all set up for people to profit off of the misery of these patients. And, you know, that with we said it earlier, fasting, I can't sell you anything, you know, uh, I'm going to take you off meds. Um, so that we're, we're, it's actually going to be cheaper for you and it's better for the overall economy because America and you know, whoever isn't your country isn't spending every last dime taking care of patients when, you know, the answer is right there. So I, I personally don't have a conspiracy theory. I just think that people and doctors are people. I think they have incentives and they're guided by what they consider to be knowledge of, uh, you know, uh, of what they're, what's best for their patients. And sometimes that changes so fundamentally and they're not ready for it. And, and the consequences and the first consequence they may think of is, oh, you know, there, there might be a financial consequence here, but they're not really seeing the big picture over time. So how can you talk to the doctors out there who might be on the fence about getting behind a ketogenic diet for their patients. Well, I was going to give you this patient example, and I think it speaks to that hugely. Patient comes to me, the, the one I started to tell you about, she's poking her finger, she's gaining weight, she's miserable, she's tired. Her husband is one of the most non-compliant guys in the world, right? He doesn't listen. He's a sweet guy, great guy, but he doesn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> so, she said, do you think it's possible I can come off insulin? And I said, well... How serious are you? Are you like your husband or not? Right? Are you going to be serious? Because it's hard. It's not easy. You're going to have to change your life if you want it. But how bad do you want it? And she said, I want it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I sat down for an hour and go through all Jason Fung stuff. And, you know, some of the other guys I came across and explained the whole system to her. And she says, oh, by the way, doc, I want to get my meds paid for. If I get into this study at a university across town here, they'll pay for all my other meds. It'll save me money. And I said, hey, apply for it. That sounds great. So, in the, the next two months... She completely comes off insulin, right? Her A1C is in the pre-diabetic range. Nice. She's off insulin, feeling great. Doctor, I feel great. She lost 30 pounds. I sent you guys the letter because it's so unbelievable. You think I'm lying to you. <laughs> she goes over to this place with the diabetes educator and the, the endocrinologist, and they say, oh, 
your numbers look good, but you're not eating enough carbs. We're going to put you on 45 grams of carbs with each meal, and we're going to give you a sliding scale insulin to cover that. So, in the letter, she says, Doc, what do you think? And I said, you're kidding me, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. Either I have a third grader will tell you this is insane. You don't take, I don't get someone off alcohol that say, oh, you don't have a beer every, with every meal. Or, you know, I'm allergic to pecans. I don't say, you know what? I'm going to have Benadryl and pecans with it each meal. You say, no, no, I'm allergic. I can't do it. Yeah. Just take this EpiPen with you and you'll be fine. <laughs> so, we've got into this problem and, and you see Tim Noakes saying, look, he reversed himself. Now, I respect people who reverse themselves and say, hey, look, I thought that was mm-hmm. right. And I was, I, that, I have to sit with my patients Thank all you. the time now and say, remember all that stuff I told you for the last 12 years? Well, I was wrong. There's no data. I thought there was, but there's not. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do something different. I'm going to put you on a high fat, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to eat salt when you're fasting. You're, and they look at me as like, doctor, <laughs> you're telling me eat fat and salt. Yeah. Now, all these guys are having results because they trust me enough yeah. to take that step of faith, right? Yeah. They, they, they trust their doctor. So, that's my word to the doctor. Mm. Look, you have to look at your results. At some point, you have to reassess. Now, I'll tell you another story along these lines. This guy, Jeff Cotterman, we happen to go to the same church. He runs something called Tri-System Nutrition. Mm-hmm. I worked out with him for six months and lost about six pounds, working out, sweating, and hating life. Chuck, this guy I told you about, when he was 400-something pounds, worked out with him for one year, working out three times a week, hating it because he's the big guy. Everyone else is a triathlete. Jeff trains triathletes and, and super sure. elite athletes when they're trying to take off two pounds and, you yeah. know, just f- getting that finishing touch so they look good when they flex. Mm. Yeah. Imagine being a 400-pound guy in that room. <laughs> yeah. That must really Exactly. Suck. It was hard. It was tough. And, and that's, what, that's what we need to build a community of. So, anyways, he has no success. I, I didn't know that he worked out with, with Jeff. And I thought, uh-oh, this stuff's working so well. I got to reach out to this guy because – He's going to be really mad when I give this talk. And after I'm done, I'm so busy, I don't accept new patients. I'm busy. <laughs> so, what do I do with these people when I'm done? Where are they going to go? Because yeah. I don't know anyone who's a nutritionist who understands ketogenic mm. diet in San Diego. Mm. I have no connections here yet, but we're building that. So, I reached out to him, text. Mm. I said, hey, Jeff, look, yeah. I'm, I'm having some success here. I've lost some weight. My patients are doing great. I want to let you know about it. And he texted me back, what is it? And I said, well, ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting. He said, not interested. Right, he said. I said, "Why not?" He said, "All or none," and I don't like all or none. Wow! And I text him back. I said, "Guess what? When you're diabetic and weigh 400 pounds, it's all or none. Your engine's blown up now. You you're not changing your oil anymore. You're not just doing little finishing touches. Now you got to rehab that that motor. You have to be radical. So Mm -hmm. people tell me, "Hey, I'm 400 Mm -hmm. pounds and I have diabetes." And I was, you're telling me not to eat fruit? Yes, I am. Mm Right for you, yes. If I have a guy who's trying to lose ten pounds, he could probably get away with some fruit. Yeah, right? it's, it's it's a spectrum. We we can't be. Not everyone's going to sure. be in ketosis and a ketogenic. Diet. But the point is, you have to take steps towards towards that way. And I believe what happens, and what happened with me, is once I started to realize I'm not even hungry. I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm not. I'm going to skip breakfast. Jason says it's okay. Mm-hmm. This doc seems pretty smart. I'll skip breakfast. See if I die. <laughs> and I thought my stomach would be growling all day and all that. And, and I was more clear, more energetic. Yeah. And now I'm losing weight. Yeah. So I was like, you know, this is, there's something to this stuff. Maybe this fasting and the fact that I'm talking to you guys <laughs> right now from nowhere that you guys say, hey, let's yeah. take a chance on this nutty doc that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Uh, it tells you this strength is my faith, guys, really. Yeah. So tell me about the 400 pound guy who, I mean, he's been like, yeah, right. he's done like 20 days of fasting and five days of fasting. And how long has he been on this? He's down 120 pounds. Oh, my God. That's great. Since August 6th of this year. Wow. Right? Nice. 
And I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, how much working out did he do, though? That's the question. You know, <laughs> the question is, he he couldn't work out at the beginning. Yeah. So I said, yeah. don't worry about it. The data shows that if we work out, you can't outrun right. your fork, right? We all know that. So I see guys at the gym drinking Gatorade. Yeah. They're 300 pounds, running on the treadmill, drinking Gatorade. I say, oh, my what, gosh. Right? It's like time. you're stepping on the gas in the brake. You're uh, not going anywhere. Yeah. So this guy says, I'm, I'll tell you what. This is what yeah. I loved. I talked to him on Friday. By Monday... He had read the obesity code. He had watched mm-hmm. every video that I showed that I said, look this up. Nice. Comes in with questions. I need to understand this. Once he under he grasped that he's insulin resistant, right. that he has to do these steps, he grabbed the, the the bull by the horns and he took off. And this guy has not looked back. Now he's down 120 pounds. Now he's yeah. going, you know, he he I get texts from him. I said, What the heck is this guy talking about? He'll text me and say, um, 15 minutes. And I was like, 15 minutes. I'm in the middle of my day. I'm busy. I'm like, what do you mean 15 minutes? He said, 15 minutes back. I said, what does that mean? He said, it took me 15 minutes to set up the stage and do all this stuff for these guys. I said, well, great. Thanks for letting me know, man. I appreciate it. Huh. He said, I said, how long did it take you before? Hour and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Then he says, I went shopping with my wife today and we went to five different it. stores. I said, great. <laughs> I tried to get out of that. Right? <laughs> he said, I haven't been shopping with my wife in five <laughs> years. I, I sit in the car. I can't do that. Wow. So, what the, now he's going for hikes and walks and and and, I, and my dumb self, I said, hey, you know what? Because he, he, he said, I want to run a marathon someday. And I said, I'll do it with you. Oh. And I thought, uh-oh, I shouldn't have said that. He said, you will? I said, oh, no. How about Mark? My other guy is going to run with you. Uh, so, going back to Jeff, I sit down with him and he goes, let's talk. You know, he, he I said, you know, let's do this. I'll give you my data because he had, it was like a job interview. He hammered me on questions because this guy wants to keep his reputation. Sure. So, I come in with data, all the stuff sure. you guys know, Jason Funk stuff, all these studies, the pure trial, all this stuff laid on his desk. And I said, look, Jeff, don't read this stuff yet. What I want you to do is go back and pick out five guys in your practice that are over 220, 250 pounds mm-hmm. and what you've done with them for the last year. And if you've had success, you're doing a good job, throw it away, don't look at it, don't call me. If you're not having success, call me Monday morning. Guess what? 6.30 <laughs> Monday morning. Hey, Brian, you got a couple minutes. <laughs> So, he brings me in. I say, hey, look, Jeff, I didn't want to step on your toes. I had to reach out to you because I, I want to have integrity in this. But I'm telling you, I can't send you anyone unless you guys have do- people, at least one nutritionist there doing ketogenic diet. And that person will be as busy as heck because I'll send them every single patient I have because there's no one in town that does that. And I also make a commitment and Gosh. I'll probably get in trouble for this for, with some of the community. But not one of my patients will ever go to diabetes education again. Yeah. I've seen disasters and they tell them, you have to eat carbs with every meal. Why? Right. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. Why? Because yeah. right. then we can't treat them with our special medicines. Now, if you're getting hypoglycemic, but if you cut your insulin, you're not going to get hypoglycemic. Right. We all know that. I fasted for a week and didn't get hypoglycemic once, right? Because I'm not, I'm not spiking it. It seems like they don't know about gluconeogenesis. And gluconeogenesis, yes. They don't understand that your liver will take over. Right. Exactly. Well, I think part of the problem is they have this magic pill, insulin, and they know that they can't medicate you to an HbA1c of, you know, around about 5.5. If you get under 5.5, you're fine. Between 5 and 5.5 is where you want your, uh, or maybe between 4.5 and 5.5 is where you, you want your HbA1c to be. Over 5.5, you are killing off exactly. beta cells faster than you can make new ones. Exactly. And they medicate us to 7. The standard of care is to medicate their diabetic patients to seven, and then they tell these people diabetes is only a progressive disease. Well, yeah, it is if you medicate somebody to seven. Exactly. Yeah, if you medicate somebody below 5.6, it's a disease that reverses. Exactly. It's criminal. It's those things. So, Jeff says, Mm. come into my office. Let's talk. So, I go in there and he goes, can I just uh, record this? He had all of his staff there, all of his trainers. Wow. Mm. 
Mm. And we talked about ketogenic diet. You know, I have it on my website, a link to it. It's, it, you know, we just, he just did it from his iPhone and we just talked. Mm-hmm. And so he hammered me with questions and we went through all this stuff, like, Jay, like we, what we all do. Yeah. And two days later, he called me and mm-hmm. said, guess what? And I said, what? He said, every single one of my trainers is ketogenic now. I just talked to Jeff today as a matter of fact. This guy's a muscle bound stud, right? <laughs> 20 pounds down, feeling great. He argued yeah. that he said, you can't put muscle on, on ketogenic. I said, uh, yeah, BS, yeah, man, yeah. you can't trust me on this. So he's having, he said he's having more success now with, even with his elite athletes on a ketogenic diet than he ever had doing carb loading with the, even these guys who are insulin sensitive because right. we have to see yeah. one third of us are insulin sensitive, two thirds are insulin resistant. During this mm-hmm. process, I go to my brother's house. He's like, Oh no, you're those low carb guys. And he's a carb. He's insulin sensitive his whole life, skinny guy his whole life. Last few years gains weight, comes in and said, My A1C is eight. Is that bad? I said, Oh yes. Oh, oh but yeah. Don't go on meds. We can fix this diet-wise. We put him on some yeah. supplements, some things that we know makes makes you more insulin sensitive. Mm. And mm-hmm. he drops 40 pounds like that, the jerk, huh. right? It takes me a long time to do it because he's insulin sensitive yeah. naturally. He just worked himself by his diet. So, he made some different choices and he loses weight now and he's he's great. His his sugars are better and all that. With Jeff, I, I said, Jeff, we, we got to uh, – my here's my problem. I give this talk. All these patients want help. Now, I can send them to you. But the problem is you can't get labs. So, I, I had to sit down with my partners in my, my medical practice. I said, guys, look, I'm working too much and it's crazy, but – Next year, I want to take Fridays off and I want to consult for Jeff. So, I want to do the medical consult because the problem he has is he tells these patients to go to their doctor and check an insulin level. They go, no, 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 that's stupid. I don't believe in that, right? Right. So, the way I see it, guys, when you talk about the financial aspects of this, what people have to know is us docs don't get paid to put you on Lipitor or to put you on a medicine. We don't get paid. The higher-ups, guys, who make the decisions do, right? That say, with a stroke of a pin, we're dropping the blood pressure uh, standards. And by the way, I'm going to make a lot more money doing that. Ah, uh, so it may be in your job description to prescribe. You may feel pressure from your boss or whatever, from the higher ups. To standard of care. The standard of care. And here's the deal. The way I see it is the insurance companies don't like to pay for all these meds and they don't like to pay for dialysis and they, they don't like to pay for heart transplants and they don't like to pay for bypass surgery and stents and all this stuff. So, if we can show like Vertic Clinic's doing and what we're doing is say, hey, we could save your bottom line. As a matter of fact, I just had a discussion with the head of the, the HMO that I that I work with a lot. And because he asked me, you're losing weight. And I said, oh, thank you, God, that he asked mm. me that because now I have an mm. opening. And I said, yeah, I'm doing a ketogenic yeah. diet and this and that. And I said, you know what? I'm saving you a ton of money. You should be thanking Millions. me. Millions. Why, why is that? And I said, let me tell you. And I haven't shown him these things that you guys, look at your email. You'll see it and you'll go, holy cow. Okay. <laughs> because these guys are coming off insulin left and right. I have people there it's dropping their A1C from 12.3 to 6 and, and I'm not doing that. The best compliment I had was about three weeks ago, you know, with the drug reps coming, we have to sign for them. And so, the insulin rep was there and I said, oh, do you want my signature? So, they don't have to wait around for me <laughs> to sign. And she said, no, you're off my list. I said, what do you mean? She says, (laughs) and she's joking, says, we don't like you anymore. I said, why not? You're not writing our drug at all. What are you you writing? I said, I'm not. I'm taking my patients off insulin. And she said, you can't take people off insulin. Uh And I said, oh, you know what? You're right. They're taking themselves (laughs) off insulin, right? Because they make that choice. I have some people that aren't going to make that choice. But I can sit here and tell you, if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. You know, it's coming. And I've seen it and I've seen the disasters. And I'm getting to the point as an old man now. Hey, if you're not going to take steps to help your health, I'm going to bring in the next person that can and I can't take care of you anymore. Mm. Cause I have a guy who's 400 pounds that I just had a, a blow up with. Cause I said, look, I ordered labs on you three months ago. You haven't gone in. Well, this, this, I can't do yeah, it. Yeah. And, but for five years, I've been spending time with him trying to get him going mm. and he has no motivation. Yeah. And I say, Chuck does it in one, one weekend. He's 
on fire and he's he's changed his life. Yeah. He's out hiking now. He's doing stuff again. So it's frustrating for us yeah. as docs. That's why we get burned out because we don't see people getting better. Right. I don't get passionate about treating hemorrhoids and I don't get passionate <laughs> about treating prostate <laughs> cancer. I get passionate about saying, hey, you can do this. And when you see the hope in someone's eyes who both their parents died of diabetes complications and, and obesity and having bed sores and having a, a miserable existence, dying in pain because they have peripheral neuropathy. Mm. Yeah. You know what? When, they, when you say, you know what? You don't have to go down that road. And when you see that tear in their eye and, and that hope, that they have empowerment. That empowerment, yeah. Right? You guys took empowerment. You guys did what you had to do. And through you guys, you've inspired a ton of people, including myself. And that's what's exciting. That I, This community, doctors were arrogant for the most part. You know, a lot of us are, you know, we're arrogant in our ways until we get up to the doctor who's a surgeon. They The surgeons look down on the primary guys. Then we look down on the podiatrist, whatever it is, right? It's, it's just the way it is everywhere. <laughs> and then they said, let there be surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it was good. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but then you know, you start realizing I, when I went to this this uh, low carb USA, and these guys are fantastic people. And I, I, I reached out to them and said, "Guys, we got to do something in this community. We got to get the doctors involved. We got to get the people involved." And this is what you're getting to is this uh, event that you're putting on. Let's talk about that. Yeah, exactly. So this event, you want to talk about faith, right? I'm sitting in my office. My chiropractor, who's coming in for her doctor's appointment, says, "Doc." I know all this stuff you're doing and you're having great results and we've talked about it. You've got to read this guy's book. He's unbelievable. I said, oh gosh, I hate reading doctor's books. Right. So it turns out this doctor is a guy I trained with at Mercy Hospital. He was the chief resident the year before I was. He's a cardiologist now in a different medical system, in the SHARP system. I'm in the Scripps system. Haven't heard his name in 12 huh. years, right? And I look at this book and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I start reading it. <laughs> Fantastic. His, his name is Brett Schur. He's a cardiologist okay. who believes in keto and all this stuff. Wow. But he's open-minded. He, he, he has a, a podcast called uh, Boundless Health. Okay. And he wrote a book called Your Best Health Ever. And I've, I've learned a ton listening to his podcast, your podcast, and, and Jason Fung. I, you know, I'd, luckily, I have a long drive to work. And sometimes I get there and say, shoot, I'm here already. <laughs> you know, I want to I listen to what these guys are saying. What's Carl going to say next? What's Richard? His accent's great. But anyway, so Brett had, and he looks at the picture like I do. It's not all about diet. You, you got to look at your stress levels. We Absolutely. know those raise insulin levels. Well, you got to look at, at the mm -hmm. big picture. If you're, if you're fighting with your wife every day and you have a miserable existence and you're not happy, you know, there's a lot to be said for forgiveness and, 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 mm -hmm. and timing too, right? Timing when you eat is, Jason says this all the time, when you eat is as important, if not more important than what? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's those things. I have a lady that's on a ketogenic diet that can't lose weight, but I say, how's things at home? Well, she fights with her husband. He's watching the news coming in four seven and they go on separate vacations. It's like, it's stress. Mm -hmm. You got, you're probably insulin. Yeah. I, I haven't got her insulin back. It may be high just from stress, eating a ketogenic yeah. diet, right? She's the only one I know who's not having, she's thin. So she was, she's trying to lose 10 pounds, but that's besides the point. Right. Check her sleep. Check her circadian patterns as well. That's the other thing because if you shortchange yourself on sleep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And I'm guilty of that. Me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, as docs, sleep deprivation is a killer, right? And, and so getting enough rest. Mm -hmm. So that's, a, I, I'm going to, one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to track down Jason Fun because I think there's three of them. There's no way you could write these books and blogs and do all this stuff. <laughs> there's no way. How does he do it? I don't I'm gonna know. I'm going to call him out. I'm going to find out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to find out. I don't know how he does it. All right. So tell me about the event. So what this event is, it, it's a six-week conference that we're putting on. You know, it's, it's, it's at a church. We're using one of their facilities that's not the main, but it, it, it's their youth auditorium. They gave it to us to use for cool. free. So what we're doing is I'm going to start out speaking about insulin resistance, talk about why it's okay, why you're not going to kill yourself to fast, why you're not going to kill yourself to go on a high-fat, low-carb diet. Right. What the data shows. Nice. I'm blessed right after that. I have Brett Schur, the cardiologist, who says, <laughs> mm -hmm. look. 
You're not going to have a heart attack. You're not going to die from making these changes in your life. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And he's gone the spectrum of vegan. He's a triathlete. He's a one of my favorite guys. Just talking to you, love the guy. So he's coming next. After him, the, the next week is going to be Chuck, the guy who's lost 120 pounds, telling his experience, his story, and what, what this has been for him. Wow. Right after him, I have Rachel Gregory coming up, telling, hey, how do I do keto? What is it? What, how, what do I do when I go to the restaurant? What do I do in the holidays? What do, and she's going to give practical advice on how to do a ketogenic diet, like you guys do, right? Yeah. After that, Mark Waddell is going to be the, the third week, and he's going to talk about prayer and fasting. So, this is great because it's going to be a mix of people from the Christian church, people from outside the Christian church, and, sure. mm-hmm. and it's going to be a, 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 just a fun time. Now you say it's six weeks. Do you mean six weeks of five days a week of lectures or is it just one one day a week? Or Well, it's funny. Once I found out you guys were crazy enough to have me on, <laughs> I reached out and I said, hey guys, we're going to have a trouble. Seriously, because we may have more people than we're anticipating. You may. So we decided let's do, let's do uh, Sunday morning and then we're going to do a Monday night. It's open the same room. Oh. So we're going to do the Good same idea. lecture yeah. Sunday morning and Monday. And everyone said, no problem, we'll do it because everyone loves this stuff. Everyone's passionate about it. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. Sounds like a killer team, really, doesn't it? I mean, one after the other, it's, it's just it, it, amping it up. It is incredible. Message. Incredible. So that, and then, and then Mark's going to talk about his experience with ultra marathons in the fastest state. He's the uh, Jimmy Moore of fasting. He fasts for two weeks and, you know, does, does stuff like that. And, you know, sure. and, and I think that brings up a discussion what's the optimum length. And uh, so we're going to have a round table after that where we all talk about, hey, what's your experience, nice. Doc? What, what do you think, Doc? What do you, what do you think, nutritionist? Cool. Because what I see is that we're at war with each other when we don't have to be. Oh, you're so right. We have to look at the data. And how do we help the patient? Yeah. Just like I'm an internist and I know when I can't fix someone's heart, they have to go to the cardiologist or you have to go to the surgeon right. when you need to. I can't fix it all. Right. right? And so, that's mm-hmm. where we're at. And we say, look, let's build this team. And once we build this team, we say, Blue Cross Insurance, mm. we could save you X number of dollars a month. Is it financially worth it for you to send your patients with diabetes to us or do you want to pay for drugs instead? What a great idea. Right. At some point, I think that's what's coming. That's such a great strategy. And, yeah. and Richard and I took that approach with our... Uh, Two Keto Dudes Fixed Diabetes series that we haven't yet finished, but that was the whole idea is that we wanted to put a price tag on this because money talks. And for companies that are paying health insurance uh, premiums, for insurance companies themselves, for hospitals, I mean, they're all losing money like crazy because of this unnecessary situation. Exactly. So we have to get enough wisdom and we have to have enough experience and we have to have people of integrity who understand that we're not just, you know, it's not a magic fix. We're not just going to give you, here's exogenous ketones, keep doing what you're doing. Oh, yeah. it, it makes us no better than what we're doing now, right? Yeah, no, that doesn't work. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, we're not fans. There, there's a <laughs> there's a time and a place and I think some people can benefit, especially in the transition period. And it maybe I don't have enough experience to tell you that, but you see Dom D'Agostino, Wilson, all these guys I respect mm-hmm. are saying, hey, you know, there's a time and a place for that. So. The other bigger thing that I see and that, that my main reason for doing this is the church is hurting also. We're, we're not treating people the way we should. Mm, absolutely. We have a bad reputation only because we do bad stuff and mess up all the yeah. time, right? So, I, I believe when people are praying and fasting that they do better. The fact that I'm here, I believe, is partially secondary <laughs> to you guys being a little nutty and my fasting and prayer. Because stuff when Jeff called me, I was fasting and praying. And I thought, God, nothing's happening. How come Jeff calls me? He said, okay, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Chuck does this stuff. All these things. He put Chuck on my heart. All the, it's all fallen in place unbelievably. And when you see that, you say, gosh, what kind of power can we have 
um, in the church, in the Muslim church, in, in whatever, I don't care, w- right. w- in your organization, when we get people that are like-minded that come together and look at positivity and, and let's see what we could do as a, as a, as a community to help people and do good stuff, you know? Let's all go on hikes together. So, where do we go to learn more about your event and when is it? Okay, it's going to be in a January 14th. Well, it's going to start January 14th and it's going to follow for six weeks after that. Now, I'm going to post something. Yeah. The, the, you know, it's crazy. I reached out to you guys just to, just to make sure I could say something about it on, on your, on the, uh, the forum. Right. And then you guys reach out to me and bring me in, you know, so, mm. uh, it's going to be six weeks after that and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to enjoy ourselves and, and. Uh, Wait a minute. It's going to be six weeks after Jan. So when is it starting? Yeah. We're going to start on January 14th. Okay. And then it's going to be six Sundays I in a row. It. Six Sundays that. in a row, so Monday nights. Six Sundays and the fu- and that Monday after that Sunday, right? So and the Monday after two days in a row, yeah. basically. And We're going to do the same thing two days in a row. So if people can't come Sunday, they can right. come Monday night because you know it's six week. It, you can come anytime, but I think you know depending on what you're looking for. Where exactly is it? It's in El Cajon, California, okay. at Foothills Christian Church. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And there's a website where people can get details. Yeah, I I, I actually made a website that uh, a while back, but uh, it's uh, low carb MD lowcarbmd.com. And on there, I have a blog. And on the blog, it says getting started with keto. So, anyone can go on there and I have connections to you guys. I have a connection to Jason Fung, cool. to Dom D'Agostino, nice. all these guys who are super influential and, and, and convinced me. So, I hope that will convince people to say, hey, you know what? This isn't nutty. These guys are real scientists mm. and they know what they're talking yeah. about. And they have a heart to help people. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Brian, it, yeah. it's, the hour has That's flown sad. by and uh, I feel we could just continue yeah. talking. I mean, everything that you're saying is exactly what Richard and I have been saying and uh, talking about for mm-hmm. two years now. We've been doing this for two years. It's It's been wonderful because all of the people that Brian has uh, identified as being his gurus are a lot of our guests, yeah. a lot of the people right. who influenced us. I mean, we're just two silly guys mm-hmm. with a microphone. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of us out there in the world, all making a change in our diabetes. And we're all along for the ride. So, uh, you know, we just want to thank you. Yeah. So thanks again very much. Hey, you guys, it it is a huge deal for me to be on here. I I greatly appreciate you putting up with me this long. And (laughs) and also for people in San Diego, I just wanted to make a a plug real quick for Low Carb USA Conference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All these guys come there and they're Awesome. And I know you guys do your thing, but on, on this, on this side of the country, you yeah. know, they, they, they're doing some great stuff and they, they do some stuff down in Florida. But man, it, it is when you go and you see how much science is being with, with, with cancer treatment and, and everything, it's just incredible. Mm. We're on to something, guys. By the way, your event is free, right? It's free. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't say that. It's free. Everyone volunteers. We, we have a passion for this. And our goal, really, our motive is to build the community. Because we have to build the community because we all know, all of us said, Excellent. the more people I see, the more people I convince, the more the, the nutritionists are going to be able to do, the more nutritionists are going to be, they're going to see a financial interest maybe, but more so they're going to see uh, a, a benefit. Yeah. So, I have a nurse practitioner who I met that, that's, that wants it. So, there's tons of people who, who get this. And so, you know, for instance, w- when this stuff started happening, I reached out to Jason Fung. I said, hey, look, just as, a, as his character. I said, look, I'm getting people calling me that want to consult directly with me that they, they saw me on your website as a preferred provider. And he wrote me an email and I asked his permission to share it. And it, he said, look, Brian, at the end of the day, it's helping the patients. A few bucks here and there. I'm not here to be rich. I'm here to help people. And I think if we all have that same heart, yeah. it's like we're here to help people and do the right thing. And you guys do what you do. And I know you guys spent money to, to get this podcast going and mm-hmm. you're influencing thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, including myself. 
So, yeah, you know, it's exciting. And I think we all go up together. It's just awesome. It certainly is. It is. So, Brian, after you've done this event, can you come back and chat to us and give us some ideas about how other people can run similar kinds of events and we can try and get these running across the world? Yeah, I, you know, I would love to. As a matter of fact, you know how crazy life is. On Twitter, I tweeted, this guy, I liked what he had to say. And it turns out he's a Christian guy and his tag name was close to someone else. And I saw him say, hey, sorry about that. But I saw he posted really positive, good things, right? And Mm -hmm. he lives in Kuwait. And he reached out to the people of Kuwait. And he has stuff going there. And his other pastor buddy lives in uh, Fallbrook, which is really close to me. And they said, we want to come to your conference. We want to support you. But this guy started this this stuff in Kuwait. And he said, they call Mm -hmm. it Keto for Kuwait. (laughs) Right. Great. Awesome. And he's got Muslims coming in. They're fellowshipping together. They're spending time and everyone's having a blast. And they're in Kuwait with Christians and Muslims all doing this together. And he says he's having incredible results. He said he tried to start initially with some financial stuff and it fell flat. And he said, you know, I'm just going to do it. And it, he says, taken off like crazy. And you can't believe how many people are doing well. And he's a, a long distance runner. I said, well, you can hook up with my buddy Mark. And it's just crazy how we all kind of connect and everyone has their skill, yeah. right? We all yeah. have our part of the body that we are. Yeah. You know, mm. unfortunately, doctors are the wrong part of the body sometimes. Well, go- doctors, well, doctors like you are necessary to take a stand and say, listen, docs out there, got to get with it because your patients are dying unnecessarily and you may be part of the problem. So I appreciate it. And I think every doctor should read Tib Noak's book to see how he reversed himself, why his reasoning and what he went through, because mm. You know, we can learn a lot from that, that he he said, I'll take the bullet so other younger guys can step up like me. He opened the door for me and all the other docs. So in time, guys, you know, it's going to be the standard of care. It has to be. Absolutely. Thanks again, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Hey, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate your time. You bet. It was awesome. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you soon. you y'all do for a little... Good stuff, huh? Yeah. I Look, I want to say that uh, I'm grateful to Dr. Lenskis for sharing his story. And it's interesting what he's doing because he's found this truth for himself uh, that the mm. ketogenic diet has helped him. And he's then gingerly handed across to a couple of patients who had no other option and has found that it's helped them. And then he's taking it to other patients and finding that it's helping yeah. a lot of people. Now he's going back to his community and he's taking advantage of existing community structures like his church. And he's just mm. he's just um, staying on after uh, fellowship on Sunday, um, hiring the church for, for an hour or so and and – doing a stand-up performance and explaining to people yeah. um, what uh, the ketogenic diet can do for them and how it can help them. And there's a lot of people in this world who uh, don't know they have a problem and could be fixed. Mm. And, you know, it's going to take lots of community groups like churches, PTAs, like lots of groups sharing information with each other to basically turn around this um, tsunami of diabetes. So I'm grateful that he shared his information with us. And we're going to come back and and hear how the process went. And um, maybe he might be able to share some ideas with some of our listeners who are interested in doing the same thing in their own local communities. I agree. You know, it's easy for guys on the internet like us to get the word out because a podcast is a podcast. You can listen or not and make up your own mind. But it is more difficult for guys like us who don't have, you know, the the letters after our names uh, to uh, to impress people in person in the local community because we're not doctors, because we're not medical professionals. When a medical professional such as Brian takes charge and says, 
I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to take a risk. This is amazing stuff and people need to know about it. That's when real change happens at the grassroots level. Yeah, while it's important that doctors do this, and we're grateful that any of them do, and we've spoken to many on our podcast, it's also important to take the what you've learned about the ketogenic diet to your own community, even if you're not a doctor. I do. I agree. So if you've got family members and friends and people that you have fellowship with in your own community who have these kinds of problems, it's important to talk to them about these things. I agree. And especially if you have had great results, right? right. I mean- the just the thing that people do, they post their before and after pictures on Facebook and their friends go, whoa, what did you do? I mean, that that starts all the questions and, you know, people start going down the rabbit hole and that's absolutely great. Yeah. You know, what 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 is harder for us is to, um, you know, is to to set up any kind like I couldn't open up a clinic and, you know, like a, a lose weight clinic, right. for example, and have people come just because I'd. You know, who is this? Right. right? Yeah, yeah, true. So, yeah, that's true. But I, th- I agree. Sharing your story is a really important thing. All right, Richard, are you hungry? I certainly am. I think it's time for some recipes. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, we have a little announcement about our recipes this year, don't we? Mm, yeah, we do. We're going to have a special theme for the entire year. But we're going to try to anyway. (laughs) Right. Small plates, Mm. appetizers, tapas, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Little bites. Little bites. Yeah. And we're going to do different cuisines. Every month we're going to try a different cuisine. So uh, in the month of January, we're going to do Mm. Spanish um, tapas. Mm-hmm. For every month in the year, we're going to do a different cuisine. So we might do, for example, um, dim sum, which is a Chinese or yum cha. It's a Chinese cuisine of little bites. Yeah. Uh, we may do uh, French hors d'oeuvres. Well, don't give it all away, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I won't tell you all about it. But we've got lots of ideas. So we're going we're gonna to try to stick to a theme. We're going to try and present these things over the year. Yeah. This month is going to be tapas, and Carl's been doing a lot of research into tapas. Yes, I have. And uh, I did some research hands-on in Barcelona a few years ago mm. when I was there. And there are also a couple of good tapas restaurants here, and I've frequented those as well. So I am familiar with the format. Um, and there are certain dishes in Spanish tapas that are classic, right? Okay. S- most of them are actually low carb, mm. but there are some that in- do include bread and breading and frying and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, that was the- one of those is the first one that I chose to tackle. Mm. And what do you got? Well, it's a croquette. And a croquette is essentially a little sausage-shaped a ball Mm. of sort of cream with something in it, a bechamel with uh, some ham or asparagus or salmon or something rolled up in it, and then breaded and deep fried. Yeah, it's like a crumbed mousse, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. Mm. Exactly. Uh, Now, of course, a bechamel is made with butter and flour. Yeah, you make a roux, right? And uh, Yeah, you make a roux. Mm. And there really just isn't any better way to do that with keto. Right. You know? So I decided to try and ketofy these tasty morsels. Mm-hmm. And the result, the first one anyway, is a ham and cheese croquette featuring pork rinds and cream cheese as the mm, base. That sounds good. Yeah. The key to uh, this success here is getting all the ingredients chopped finely enough so you get all of them in every bite. Okay. Yeah. So here's the ingredients. We want a couple of cups of olive oil, extra virgin olive oil for frying, eight ounces of cream cheese, 
about 60 grams of crushed pork rinds, about 30 grams of shredded Parmesan or Romano cheese, mm -hmm. about 30 grams of chopped roasted red peppers, mm -hmm. And before you measure it, dry off the liquid because they usually come out of a jar. Yeah. If you don't make your own, you just want to make sure there isn't any liquid there so it doesn't get sloppy. Yeah. Plus, that liquid's often, uh, with red peppers, can often be sugar. So you drain all that off and you won't have any of that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then two slices of prosciutto or serrano ham mm. or some kind of ham. Yeah. Diced into small squares. And if you're using um, prosciutto de parma, which is you can get at any grocery store around here anyway. Mm. It comes with a uh, a skin, a very tough skin on one edge. Okay. So make sure you score that off. Right. But the fat and all of that goes into it. Yeah. You want to use one teaspoon of xanthan gum to sort of help bind it together. Mm -hmm. And uh, optionally, a tablespoon of onion powder, which always makes things tastier. Yeah. So here's what you do. You uh, crush the pork rinds in a food processor and set aside 30 grams for the filling. So it's going to be 30 grams for the filling and then 30 grams to roll them in. Right. Uh, you want to pour the olive oil into a small pot uh, and heat on high on the stove. Mm -hmm. And when it starts to smoke, you turn it down. Right. Now, if you're using gas or propane, turn it down to low. Right. I found that anything higher than low heat uh, and everything burns. If you're using electric, turn it down to like medium low. Right. And above all, kids, be careful when using hot oil. Mm -hmm. Now, I suppose you can use a deep fryer as well mm -hmm. and get it up to about whatever it is, 300 Fahrenheit. When you chop the prosciutto into slices, um, I do them in just very, very small slices. So I, I put it on a cutting board. I, I, I slice it horizontally in thin strips and then vertically in thin strips. Again, take care to remove the strip of skin on the outside because right. that's not edible. Now, you combine the cream cheese, 30 grams of the pork rinds, the shredded cheese, the roasted peppers, and those should be chopped up into small bits, of course, mm -hmm. the xanthan gum, the onion powder, and the prosciutto into a bowl. Using your clean hands, just thoroughly mix the quote-unquote dough until it's completely combined. Right. Then you want to wrap it in plastic wrap and pop it in the freezer for 10 or 15 minutes yeah. just to make sure it doesn't melt in the oil. So remove the dough from the freezer and pull off about an ounce of it, which is about 30 grams. Yep. Yep. And you want to roll that up into a ball and then roll it out into a little sausage shape. Mm -hmm. Set it aside and repeat that until it's all done. I got about 11 of these out of my uh, my batch. So when your oil is ready to fry, you're going to roll each croquette in the remaining pork rinds, and you're going to push the breading well into the croquette so it won't come off in cooking. Right. And ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And and also, you know, make sure there's no big pieces stuck in there that are going to fall out. Just, you know, make sure that it's nicely dusted and, and it's stuck inside. Mm -hmm. Now, frying. You fry them one at a time. Using a slotted spoon, mm -hmm. just carefully drop a croquette in the oil and it's going to bubble up and you won't see it. And uh, you're not going to touch it. You're just going to let it fry for about, it only needs about 10 or 15 seconds. Right. If it comes out too dark or cooks too fast, your oil might be too hot. Mm. Right. So uh, it may require less time. It might only be five, 10 seconds. Just watch it and you'll, you'll be able to get a feel for it. So repeat that for each croquette. And remove the excess breading from the oil, whatever falls off. You want to get that out of the oil between each one. Right. And then serve them immediately while they're hot. Nice.
So somebody sent us a mail once about uh, cooking with olive oil and they suggested that we, should, we shouldn't we should cook with olive oil because it has a low smoke point. It gets to smoke very quickly. Right. Um, right. So, um, is this something you could do with you could do with lard? You can cook in lard or tallow, or is that too hot? Yeah, certainly, of course, you can use anything. I've taken to using avocado oil. Mm. Oh yeah, but the uh, classic tapas recipe for croquettes is to cook them in olive oil. Interesting. Okay, awesome. Mm. Well, that's good to know. At least the ones that I looked at. Anyway. Yeah, now, that sounds really good. I've got to try that. My recipe this time is going to be fried chorizo. With an egg. Now, this is a restaurant meal that we had in Batemans Bay. There was a tapas restaurant that I used to go to for my birthday uh, every year in Batemans Bay. And they did this recipe. And they used a fried egg. But I'm going to use a poached egg on this recipe. And they also okay. used uh, tomato sauce. And I'm not going to – I'm going to make up a tomato sauce. So, so what I do is I buy bulk tomatoes every year and smoke them in a, in a hot smoker. So I cut them all in half, smoke them, pull the skins off. The smoker will make the skin, skin soft. And then I, I blend the whole lot and I store it in, I freeze them into ice cube trays. So I, mm-hmm. I have this tomato sauce. It's a barbecue smoky tomato sauce that's just literally tomatoes that have been smoked. Now that might be a little bit more complicated than you need. So what I would suggest doing if you don't have a hot smoker is to, uh, Bake them in in the oven. So uh, re- okay. remove the skin of a, of a tomato. You do that by boiling some water. You cut across the tomato. You put it in the boiling water for about maybe thirty seconds. The skin starts mm-hmm. to peel off, and you pull it out mm-hmm. with a spoon, and then you can pull the the skin off the the tomato. So now you have a a skinned tomato. Um, put it on a tray in the oven and bake it, and it'll it'll collapse down. And you might, to get a smoky flavor, you could add liquid smoke to it um, uh, just to enhance the flavor. Or you can put a little bit, yeah. bit of Worcestershire sauce over it, over the top as well. That will also add to the same nice. flavor. But we're basically making a, a, a tomato's worth of tomato paste. And to that, we're going to add a little bit of roasted pepper. So maybe a tablespoon of roasted pepper. And I'll put that into a magic bullet and... And maybe add a, a little bit of olive oil, maybe a teaspoon of olive oil just to lubricate it. I'll blitz that and that will turn into a tomato sauce. And this is going to be enough to make, yeah. a, you know, uh, make a one meal for three or four people. So okay. perfect tapas size meal. So how I make the sausage part of the meal is uh, we're going to uh, cube up chorizo sausages into one centimeter. I think that's maybe a quarter of an inch cubes. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And the way that I do that is I cut these sausages lengthwise. I don't worry about the skin. The skin is quite edible. It's quite tasty and and, uh, it'll be fine. So I I basically cut these uh, sausages down lengthwise uh, so that I can have them flat on the chopping board. I cut them vertically lengthwise again and then cut them horizontally into cubes. And so that basically dices the sausages. And these chorizo sausages are already cooked. They're already cooked. Yeah, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to fry these in a hot pan and I'm going to put some lard Mm. in the pan to to fry in. You probably only need a half teaspoon of lard in a small pan. And then you're going to put these little diced chorizo dices they're like little cubes you're going to put them in the pan Mm. and you're going to sear one side then you're going to uh, agitate them so that they turn around you're going to sear another side you're going to keep going like this until the outsides of these chorizo have become crispy and seared 
and almost oh, yeah. they're slightly darker in colour. And the insides, I mean, they're cooked and edible, but the insides, you know, the, the insides will be juicy sure. and sausagey. So what you do then is you get a tapas bowl, so like a little small little bowl. You put the sausages in that bowl, and then we're going to put an egg on top of that. And as I mentioned, the restaurant used fried eggs, so if you just want to just go straight from that pan that you've just made the sausage mm. sausages in, put an egg ring in, make a fried egg, and just drop that on, you know, sunny side up fried egg, that'll be perfectly good. Now, if you can get a quail egg, would you use one? I might be tempted, or a duck egg might be interesting. But the yeah. see, what I would do is ideally – I'd use a 63-degree egg, which is a sous vide yeah. egg. Now, I've actually found we, – we did a recipe once where I did a 63-degree egg or you did one. Sure, sure. The way that we did that was we dunked it in boiling water first for a minute and that cooked the outside white and then we put it in the sous vide for an hour at 63 degrees mm. and then we pulled it mm -hmm. out and uh, I think maybe one in four of my eggs actually came out looking okay and the other three in four looked hacked apart <laughs> because you know as soon as you start pulling the <laughs> shell off, it all falls apart. I found the other week an interesting better way to make 63 degree eggs. Okay. Here's the trick. So eggs have three levels of protein. They have the yolk in the middle. Mm -hmm. They have the tight white around the outside of the yolk. And between the yolk yep. and the tight white, there is a membrane. And outside yep. of the tight white, there is a second membrane. And then it, there is what's called the loose white, which is just water. I mean, it's water with a yeah, little yeah. bit of albumin in, but it's, 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 the, it's the, the most weak of all of the, the bits. So the trick is you sacrifice that outside bit. Oh, Here's how you do it. When we boil the egg first for a minute, what we're doing is we're trying to, to use that outside bit, but that's the worst of the egg white protein. I see. So what we do is we instead we just do sous vide for 45 minutes, 63 degrees, put the eggs straight in. You don't have to put them in a bag or anything. Just put them straight in the water. Right. They're in their own little bag in, in the eggshell. Right, right, and, right. And when you pull them out, now, what you're going to do is you're going to uh, you're going to chill them down first because um, you want them to stop cooking because the yolk at 63 right. degrees for 45 minutes, the yolk in the middle mm. has been perfectly cooked. The right. tight white on the inside, outside the yolk but inside the loose white, that tight white mm -hmm. has been partially cooked but it's still almost liquid. Loose. The, the loose white on the outside is, is, is pure liquid. So what you're going to do is you're going to crack a little window into the egg and then you're going to pour the egg into a bowl. And the window's got to be big enough so that the edges of the window don't break the, the tight white or the yolk as it comes out. And so what ends up happening right. is you end up going into the bowl a cooked yolk and the tight white around the outside and the rest of the loose white just falls apart. And so you just get a spoon into the tight white, you pull it out with its membrane intact and you put it in a pot of boiling water for you know 30 seconds and it finishes cooking wow. the white and that's how restaurants do 63 degree eggs. that's how they do the perfectly that poached eggs is amazing and so you you pop that on that uh oh and i forgot to mention that once you've fried the chorizo you want to put that tomato sauce that we made into the chorizo and mix it right. up nicely and then you just pop Stir your little. little egg on top of that and when the punters your patients or your your guests <laughs> cut into the egg it's theater as the sauce comes out yeah. and sources the whole thing. <laughs> and it's that unctuous cooked uh, egg yolk, but it's still li slightly delicious. liquid. Delicious. Mm, delicious. But as I say, you can use a, so you can use a, a sunny side egg on it. That, that's the easy way to do it.
That's going on the menu when we open our tapas bar. <laughs> the two kilo dudes tapas bar. So we're going to try and do tapas recipes for the rest of the month of January. Yeah. And then we'll move on to a different cuisine. That's right. Fantastic. Well, that's a show, my friend. Uh, we're sorry again that it went long, but I hope you stayed with us um, and hope it was worth it to you. Of course, uh, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at 2 or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes, on Instagram at 2KetoDudes, and make sure to use the hashtag 2KetoDudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and other junk with witty keto sayings on we them. We have mouse pads? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you want a shot at getting any of that swag for free, join the 2Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our podcasts and our forums, think about making a pledge on our Patreon page at Patreon. Or just hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com. You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a review on iTunes. That's how new people get to know about what we do. 2 Keto Dudes is brought to you by 2 Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And Richard, keep calm and keto on. And keep calm and keto on, Kyle. All right. And we'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes. Dudes.